What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Championship Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Nate Bailey, and uh, today's episode is fire. It's an incredible guy, incredible conversation, incredible story. He's an actor. He's an artist. He's a poet. He's a producer. He's a musician. Like, you name it. He's an author coming out with a new book. The book is called Pursue, Reach, Attain, Retain, Repeat. And uh, this guest today, David Bianchi. His name, his last name is spelled B-I-A-N-C-H-I. I'll get this all linked up. Of course, you can check him out on Instagram at David Bianchi underscore official. Uh, check out his, his credits on IMDb as an actor. Incredible story. Been in and out of jail from a young time. His story to LA and, and, and being close to homeless and some of the things that he had to go through to get to the place that he is today inside of his life and to have the success that he has. So just an incredible story uh, that I'm excited to share with you. And with that, I want you to introduce you to David Bianchi. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Championship Leadership Podcast. I'm excited. We got David Bianchi from Los Angeles. What's up, David? Thanks for being here, man. Hey, what's going on, brother? How are you? I'm Thanks great. for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we were talking right now, depending on when you listen to this, but we're in the middle of uh, lockdown right with with uh covid and and uh i know you actually we were talking you, you had it and uh went through it and talking a little bit about that but it's, it's just interesting time right now nothing i've ever experienced that's for sure yeah it definitely is a, a certainly an unprecedented time um you know we always say that uh um like one of the things that i say often a lot of people say this is that love is what happens while you're making plans well pandemics aren't something that happens while you're making plans right. <laughs> you know? and uh and, and we're in the midst of it and uh, we just have to hope that um everybody comes out of this um healthy strong and, and as a community as a global community we come out as a as a stronger global community as human beings yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, so championship leadership, leadership, a uh, big piece of leadership, right, is just like coming together and kind of knowing that we're in this together. Like we are, we're, like no one is immune to this thing. We're all in this together. It's affecting everyone, which I think is a little, some people, you know, I've heard 
compare it to like 2008, 2009 crisis that we went through. And I'm like, yeah, maybe kind of, sort of, but like not, I wasn't impacted by that thing. Like we're all in this thing right now. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's bigger than what happened in 2008 or 2009. I mean, if we're just talking about the financial sector, but I think that what, what, what's happening here is that there is a, there is the brink of what could and arguably theoretically be something that could really take up arguably globally uh, up to a million lives. I mean, this is something that is not just a financial panic. It's an emotional panic. It's a spiritual panic. Um, it is affecting everybody's psychology in a way that I don't think anybody has ever really been affected before. And, and as human beings, we are communal creatures. We are, yeah. we are, we, we are creatures of, of groupings. And so it is inherently unnatural for us to sequester ourselves and be told that we can't be in direct contact with other people and, and, and the rest of our species. So um, it's an imprisonment almost sort of feel, you know, the 23 and mm -hmm. one idea. Wait, wait, that's, yeah. that, that's actual prison language, 23 and yeah, yeah. one, <laughs> you yeah, know, right. 23 hours in a cell and one hour you get to go play. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where we are right now, especially in the big cities right now, like LA and New York, Miami, San Francisco. It's, um, it's, it's really punishing on the psychology. So right now we're basically at about day 12. So we'll see where people are at day 18, day 19 and what the, and what the yeah. psychology is then. I agree. I've been kind of saying that same thing. It's like, it's, it's one thing to get, like you said, through that, that was first week or maybe two weeks, but like, because of that connection, though, we just thrive on that, that connection, that communal, communal piece that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I think we're really going to see that impact like you said, day 19, 20 plus. Um, yeah. I hope it's, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm worried about that a little bit, right? Yeah. And I, the right word, but, but yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I, uh, and I was telling, uh, I was telling some friends, you know, right now we're in the honeymoon phase of the yeah. quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. When shit starts to get real at day yeah. 17, 18, 19, um, yeah. that's when, that's when the human condition is genuinely tested. And I think that that's when gentlemen like yourself and myself, uh, people that are uh, public figures or in a place of influence, that's where we have to step up and we have to, you know, separate the good from the great. And we have to really set an example on how to comport ourselves or remind people how they might want to comport themselves. Because mm -hmm. it's very easy, as I, as I mentioned in a recent video that I released, that it's very easy for us to step into fear. And yeah. what triggers in the flight or fight response is that fear triggers anger, which triggers violence, which triggers uh, a cascading effect of negative things. So yeah. we have to remind our communities to, to not step into fear and to, to focus on solution. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here's a question that, that I usually kick off with, but we kind of got down a little bit different of a track with what's going yeah. on. Uh, but so I, I do always love to ask this question. So I'm still going to ask it. Championship leadership is the name of the podcast. Like sure. what does come to mind for you when you hear championship leadership? Like what's that mean to you? Um, well, when I think of the, the, the name or the, the phrase championship, we're talking about the elites. We're talking yeah. about the, the top 99.5 and above percentile. So we're talking about the, the, the people that are exceptional in their specific disciplines, whether it's athletics, whether it's business, whatever your acumen is. If you are a championship in your specific field, you are at the top tier. And obviously leadership is, I think most people have a pretty straightforward definition of it, but leadership is to come from a place of pursuit of greatness uh, at a community level. 
So if we were to really break that down, pursuit of greatness at a community level to the best of you, of your absolute potential in everything that you do. So that's what I think about when I think of championship leadership. I love it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's always fun to hear, you know, hundred plus episodes and <laughs> always something different, you know, like how many, how many ways can we slice championship leadership, but evidently we can do it uh, a lot. So that's awesome. It's awesome to hear. Uh, tell us a little bit more about you and what you got going on. Like, how did you get to where you are? Uh, like, what's the path you've taken? Uh, just give the listeners a, a little bit of a peek into the life. Sure. Sure, sure. Um, like for anybody out there that doesn't know, my name is David Bianchi. I currently live in Los Angeles. I'm a, I'm a professional working uh, actor and independent film producer. Uh, I've got over 100 professional television and, and film credits. Um, most recently was a major recurring on a show called Queen of the South, which is on USA and also uh, seasons on uh, one through three on Netflix. Season four will drop this May on Netflix. So catch me on Netflix this May, Queen of the South. Um, recently just uh, recurred on a show called Insatiable for Netflix, as well as just recently in theaters uh, in a movie called Birds of Prey opposite uh, Ewan McGregor. Um, that was a show, a movie about Harley Quinn, a DC superhero yeah. movie. So if you guys checked it out, it's a fun one. But, you know, that's, that's, I'm a member of the, the, the Television Academy. I'm a member of the Producers Guild of America. I've, I'm, I'm also in post-production on my fifth feature film as a writer, producer, and also lead actor. So um, that's the glossy version. Uh, I'm currently <laughs> on the uh, cusp of releasing my, my first book, uh, which we'll probably talk a bit about, called Pursue, Reach, Attain, Retain, Repeat. And I, I, I give you this, this sort of like library of accomplishments because... Um, it's like, oh, well, who the fuck are you, right? Yeah, right. This is who I am. This is who I am now, but who, yeah. was, but who was I? Um, I never graduated from high school. I was expelled from six high schools. I'm Italian and Brazilian by ethnicity, uh, raised in Mexico City, Brazil, and upstate New York. You know, I have been uh, in, incarcerated a, a few times uh, in my teens. You know, I've got a checkered past. Um, but somehow I managed to, uh, through a series of events, I eventually got what's called a general equivalency diploma in my local yeah. strip because yeah. no students would take me because I was a fucking idiot. And um, eventually I ended up uh, going to Arizona State University where I graduated uh, magna cum laude uh, and developed my skills um, in their theater program as an actor and also as a filmmaker. And then I landed in Los Angeles uh, circa 2004 with whatever I could put in my trunk. And I remember my first apartment was in Silver Lake and I, and I had an air mattress. I had a pot to piss in and I slept on an air mattress and it was February. It was probably 40 degree lows at night. And uh, I had cockroaches in the kitchen and I was sharing, I was renting a room from a hippie chick with hairy armpits and <laughs> short and curlies all over the toilet seat. And we used to share. And that was the humble beginnings of, of uh, a college educated, uh, you know, misguided artists believing that Hollywood was waiting for me. Yeah, right. I, I quickly discovered that Hollywood didn't give a fuck about me. Yeah. And so I had to start giving fucks about myself. So people gave a fuck about me. Those are real humble beginnings. Um, and so when you get to what you think are going to be your dreams, and then you realize that you have to sleep on an air mattress. And I used to put on three pairs of pants and four shirts, and I would bunch up my clothes in a ball behind my head because I didn't have money to afford a blanket. And had I not been homeless at 17 and lived in a car and been in and out of jails from 16 to 23, I probably wouldn't have been able to temper that experience. Yeah. Go from higher learning, performing in leading roles on a main stage to suddenly being crushed emotionally, mentally, 
fiscally uh, by the city called Los Angeles and being told, oh, this is the realities of becoming an actor. Welcome, young man. Mm-hmm. And so um, in my book, I talk about how philosophically every failure is an accomplishment. Every failure is a success because you are training your mind, body, and spirit to prepare you for what is yet to come. But, I, but I, I couldn't have seen the hindsight when I was experiencing what was emotional destitution of arriving at my quote-unquote dreams. So I know I went on a bit of a tangent, but for someone with colorful pasts and colorful stories such as ours, it, it's more than a one-sentence answer. Yeah, um, and I, want to, I wanted to tell that story because it levels the playing field for anybody out there that's listening. Mm-hmm. You know, any, any experience or anything that's especially written in my book or in my talks, I come from a place of... Of, of genuine uh, experience that is illustrated with happiness, destruction, pain, desperation, and fueled by the drive to be the best that I can be. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. I appreciate it. What, um, talk a little bit more about your book. You mentioned it briefly, but yeah, give us a, a picture of what that is, what, like, what caused you to, to, to write the book. <laughs> sure. Sure. Absolutely. Um, the, the book, um, the, the, the acronym, P-R-A-R-R, PRAR, it sounds like a lion's roar. <laughs> That's right. You know, um, pursue, reach, attain, retain, repeat is essentially a life cycle to success. Uh, it's, I am widely known, uh, internationally known as a spoken word poet. I've, I've performed at national slams on national television multiple times. And so that was an acronym that I just developed through my writing process. And it sat with me uh, over the course of about three or four years to sort of germinate it. And eventually I decided that, um, and let me preface this, um, is that a massive part of my life is, is, is experienced through the, the contact lens of my recovery. I'm currently um, in about uh, May 14th, I'll be three years continuously sober. And that is an important right. fundamental, thank you. And that's an important piece of who I am and why I am, right? Yeah. Everything that I'm experiencing right now is a result of this new life that I've discovered for myself through, through my, my, my work and recovery and also through God. So the flourishing of this acronym sort of came alive as I sort of started experiencing life through this sober contact lens. And I decided that that would be a good stepping stone for me to tell my story, somewhat autobiographically, but also creating a model for life success for anybody, regardless of your discipline. The, the different stages of pursue, reach, attain, retain, repeat, all have different sets of psychology to them. And in the book, I illustrate what each step means, what it meant for my story, and what it can mean for your story, and how it has worked for me. And hopefully, this life cycle for success can apply to whatever you're yeah. Yeah. I love it. I, yeah. I mean, just the title itself, if you read through it and you really think about it, I mean, it starts to make a lot of sense. So the book is going to come out when? The book, yeah. the book is scheduled to come out. Um, I guess right now it's March 27th. 27th. Um, so the book was, was, was actually scheduled to come out potentially April, May, but now that we're in this unique place, yeah. Yeah. Um, because people now are at home and they're seeking answers and they're seeking positivity, I'm considering pushing it ahead 
and maybe pushing a, a quick uh, self-publishing campaign that might get the book in people's hands quickly. Awesome. Um, so uh, it's, it, it's happening and it's, it's, it's very exciting. It's very nerve wracking. It creates a little bit of insecurity, but anything, <laughs> but Hey, anything that evokes fear means that it's, it's good. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fear is, fear is a mind body signal to tell you that you are in a place of discomfort. And if you're not evolving and that means you're not uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Yeah. Evolution is constant discomfort. Yeah, I can't wait to check it out and and to see it uh, hit the hands. Especially right now, it's just such a, a a needed, you know, for what we're going through and what we're doing. This this would definitely be something that can help people through these times, for sure. Who are some people that have impacted you? You know, you think of championship leaders, right? Leaders, coaches, mentors, just people that have that have impacted you in a powerful way, and not just necessarily who they are, but more like what what was it about them? What was specifically about them that really impacted you? That maybe even you've taken and kind of helped to mold who you are today as a leader. Sure, sure. Um, you know, it's 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 difficult. I I I there are the 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 usual suspects of the leadership community right i mean there's you know you've got people that 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 you sort of like look up to peripherally tony robbins david goggins you know yeah, these sorts yeah. of these sorts of people you know les brown you know the 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 champions of this game right but um what what has built me i think are the what i will call the unsuspecting teachers yeah yeah. I think that life is full of unsuspecting teachers. The person that you might meet at a bus stop, the person that you might talk to in a restaurant, the men and women specifically in my community, in the recovery community that taught me how to be a man, the invisible teachers that stumble into your life and in your pathways. Because sometimes, because the truth is, is that we never know what someone has to offer. Everybody has something to offer. It's not always just physical, emotional, spiritual, informational. What am I learning from the layman, right? I think that the most important lessons that I've learned in life really just come from the layman. You know, when I think about my community and the recovery community, you know, we always talk about the language of the heart that levels the playing field on how to build the fundamentals of success and happiness. I think that people that have been honest and open with me are people that teach me the most, Mm -hmm. you know? My father taught me a lesson many years ago. I'll never forget this story. When I was 17 years old, I was really out there, man. I was, I was breaking into stuff. I was hurting people. I was doing some bad stuff. Yeah. And I remember I got into a, I got into a fist fight with my dad. And, and, and we were both knuckled up and we were bloody and he cornered me. And then we were in the garage and just, out of, I, I, grabbed a, I grabbed a pitchfork. And my dad looked at me and we both had blood in our faces. And he looked at me and he said, David, what are you going to do with that? He says, look, I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. And I don't get divorced. He says, you live your life anyway. And he walked away from me. And it cut me like an exacto blade right down the sternum. And to this day, I still remember that information. Um, my father is my hero. And that was an example of an invisible teaching that I did not expect coming. And here I am, you know, 20 plus years later, and that memory still sits with me well. And so I want to aspire to people that set an example. You know, it's, it's really interesting what you said there. It's, so number one, I think it requires a person to be open to, mm-hmm. to learn from the most unsuspecting unsuspe- people, the people that you would maybe never 
like you said, expect to, uh, to learn something from or to show up and, and lead or to, or to guide you in your life in some way. Yeah. There's also those examples of what you just said with your father. Like sometimes that, hap- that experience happens for you and you don't realize it until years down the road, right? That like, oh, and then maybe for you, it was something that just hits you right then and there and that you always remember. But, but yeah, it's very interesting uh, that you bring it up that way. I've never really had anyone answer it that way. So. Yeah, I, I think. Look, there's. Uh, I, I can. I can toot other people's horns, um, but um, fundamentally, for me, is that I don't have a PhD in anything. I've got a master's degree in life. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is genuinely what makes people's stories captivating. Is truly their life experience. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, the other day I was talking to a gentleman and he said something fascinating to me. It's just a, just a guy I'm just hanging yeah. out. It's a guy, says, you know, and he was, he was an Eastern Russian guy. He says, you know, David, the thing is with life, we go up and down and left and right. And we don't know what's going to happen. And we always want to know the, 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 the meaning of life. But you don't figure out the meaning of life until you're laying on your deathbed. And by that point, it's too late to use the information. <laughs> yeah. and i'm like oh shit brain matter, <laughs> brain matter all over the wall yeah, <laughs> like, yeah you know yeah. um and this is just a guy and 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 that nugget of information now i'm now i'm dissecting it now we're dissect, dissecting yep. it. your audience right. is going to dissect that right um so these are these are the things that that keep me mo- moving moment to moment i love it what uh so you know i like to ask this question what's it like vision for you or what's the impact you want to make i mean you uh you got a man of many talents, like you said, uh, no PhD, de- uh, PhD degree, but a master's in life. And um, so, yeah, what is, what is your vision? Cause you got, you know, you're a producer, you're a writer, you're a, a poet, you're uh, you're many yeah. things, many things, actor, like, you know, list goes on and on. And I'm sure there's many more that you haven't even talked about. So what is, do you have a vision for yourself and where you want to go or, or maybe even uh, you know, what is the impact that you want to make on the world? Sure. And that's, uh, and, and thank you for asking that. And thank you for being so generous with the, uh, with the talent department. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a gift and a curse, isn't it? I have been gifted and also cursed with the artist bug. I am an artist mm-hmm. and I'm real sensitive about my shit. Um, as most artists are. <laughs> so I, in other words, I take my shit very seriously. Yeah. Right. Um, as you should, I do, I do want to be able to leave the world with a nugget of an impact. I remember when I was a child, my dad asked me a very a much a similar question. And uh, when I was probably, this is probably around third grade. And I said, dad, when God opens the book of life and he gets to my page, I want there to be a wrinkle in it. Yeah. And that was what I was thinking as early as second and third grade. Wow. And so what does that mean for me today? Well, we can't take anything with us that we've amassed. The only thing that we can leave here when we leave this illusion of life, this planet, is what we've become. That's all we can leave. So I want to become a person that can leave enough of a legacy that it can be discussed and that it can be uh, um, shared in perpetuity. Because I think that our work, as it becomes passive work, will continue even after we're gone if we genuinely leave a legacy. For me, that looks like a legacy through art, through books, through performances, through literary, through, through, uh, through spoken word poetry, uh, by, by, by people being able to say in hindsight, 
David Bianchi helped me change my life. David Bianchi helped me be a better person. Uh, David Bianchi reminded me that everything that I need to be strong is inside of myself and not outside of myself. I believe that that's what I owe to my ancestors. I believe that that is what I owe to my mother and my father. Uh, I believe that that is my God-given molecular level gift to use my talent as an orator and as a performer to motivate and change and inspire and leave this world a, a better place. And that's a life that I never thought I wanted. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah. I, I, you know, if you told me back in the 90s, I never wanted to stop smoking weed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and now I just want to dedicate my time to believing in impact. You know, make uh, people that I'm, make people like Sidney Poitier proud, you know, make yeah. Morgan Freeman proud, you know, make yeah. Denzel Washington proud, you know. Just uh, leave. I, I've always said, I, I was talking to my girlfriend, we were at a museum not too long ago, and I was, watching, I was looking at somebody's body of work, and I said, yeah, I could see a museum hosting my photography and my poetry and my films and my images and my fine art and leaving an amalgamation of work mm -hmm. um, that is the body of work of David Bianchi. Oh, that's incredible. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Is there a wrinkle on your page right now? Yeah, there's definitely there's been a lot of wrinkles on my face, uh, <laughs> but I got I got a lot of work to do. Is it tore out. <laughs> I got a lot, I got a lot of work to do until it gets to the point that the creator notices the wrinkle because he's got right. a lot to do with it. Yeah, right? yeah. He or it or we or it whatever it is for you whatever. The, the yeah, yeah. Universal intelligence. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Got a lot of work uh, to do. God works for me, that's for sure. Um, what's uh, what's what's a defining moment for you, like? And you, just like everyone, has many, and maybe you got a few more than others. I don't know. You, you, mm. you, uh, you have a great story, and um, some are t better at telling their story than others. And, and, and it's been fun to hear you uh, definitely detail yours. What's, uh, yeah, what's a defining moment, critical moment where, you know, you did make the decision that you did because you're here today, and here we are. We're talking, and you got all the things that are going in your life because of that. But mm. could have very easily went the other way, right, if you'd taken a different path. A fork mm -hmm. in the road, the road less traveled is kind of how I look at it. You know, that those decisions that get made um, that really alter our life. Like, is there a moment that sticks out to you where, man, you could be, you could be significantly on a different path right now had you not made the decision that you did? Yeah. Um, I remember vividly um, laying on a bunk. Now, mind you, I, I spent my 16th, 18th, and 21st birthdays in jail. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my, my pivotal birthdays as a young man, right? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> like this, you know. <laughs> um, but look, I, look, let me just preface this, guys. I, I, I never caught any, like, crazy violent charges. I never went to jail for, you know, armed robbery. I was a knucklehead. Sure. I was an idiot. It was, yeah. But I remember one defining moment that I was in county, and I'm laying on my bunk, and I'm looking up at the, the, the spiral interchanging of the coils of my bunk's bed compressed down towards my eyes. And I believe that I knew every twist and turn of those coils from constantly looking at them. And I had, you know, you put your sneakers beneath your pillow when you're in college because the pillows are this big and you need some neck support. I'm looking up and I'm saying to myself and I'm journeying the, the maze of these coils. And, I, and it occurred to me that there's more. It occurred to me that if I don't make a change now, 
I will be forever a number. Mm. I will be forever a statistic. I will die. Yeah. This, this life will kill me. And at that time, I was about 24 years old or so, 22, 23, 24, around there. Yeah. And at that point, that's when I said, how am I going to reinvent myself? Because everything that I've been trying to do is not working. This is not it. And um, I laid there and I backtracked and I did a self-inventory. And I went all the way back to my childhood and I said, what have I always loved to do? And I said, well, I've always loved to be an actor. I remember when I was in, I remember when I was in second grade, we used to act out TV commercials for the students. On the, on, on the, we'd be on the swing set. So kids would be yeah. swinging on the swing set and the other kids would watch us and we would act out TV commercials. So I was doing improv before I knew what improv was. Yeah, right. But I remember going back to and I says, okay, all right, how am I going to do this? So that's when I made the decision that once I get out of here, that's all I'm going to do. And I'm going to fight for that. I'm going to fight for that. And um, when I was going through countless hours of hundreds of hours of community service and weekends and picking up trash on the side on the, on the highways with the orange jumpsuit on and everything, I literally, every piece of trash that I picked up, I'm becoming an actor. I'm becoming an actor. I'm becoming an actor. I'm becoming an actor. And I, I beat it into every piece of my fiber. And, uh, and here we are now, it's 2020, and we're having this conversation. Yeah, yeah, you did it. I love it. Thank you. Appreciate you sharing that, that uh, powerful story. As we wrap this up, like, what, is there anything that you uh, could leave the listeners with that would help them, like, you know, if, if they were to implement it into their life today, would, would help them move forward? What can you do to move forward in your life? You have to begin right? In my book, I talk about the first stage pursuit. Mm -hmm. You have to look within yourself. And in my book, I talk about what's called the molecular level gift. I believe that everybody in this world is, is predisposed to doing something that only they can do. It is literally written down on you down to a molecular level, down to a genetic code. Now, even if you take someone like LeBron, he is genetically predisposed to be the best basketball player, arguably in the world. Yeah. arguably of all time. Now, he still had to go through tens of thousands of hours of mastery and training, but he had the physical attributes to become what he is now today. Yeah. Only he could do what he could do. Only you can do what you can do. And whoever is listening, you have something that only you can manifest and bring into this world, but you have to investigate and you have to decide what that gift is and be willing to step into the first psychological stage, which is to pursue, right? So be honest with yourself self-appraise yourself. If you look at a business, a business can't function unless it understands its inventory. So you as an individual need to understand your inventory so you know what it is that you need to pursue. Once you begin the idea of pursuit, mind you, an idea is just a thought. It is just a decision. We don't act into every decision. I decide to do, do thousands of things every single day, but I don't always step into those decisions. So be yeah. prepared to self-investigate. Think about a decision. Step into that decision and prepare yourself to pursue. But only you know the answer to that question, right? And, 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 and surround yourself with people that believe in the unseen. Surround yourself with people that know how to manifest the idea of faith. Faith to me is synonymous with this shit might work. So if you even have an idea that this shit might work, that means you have faith. So begin with the self-appraisal and then go from there. Yeah, thank you. I love it. I appreciate you being here. So. Um... I'm thinking of the book right now and, and we'll get that linked up, but do you have a, you'll have a page or something where people can uh, order this ahead of time or. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay. please, everybody out there that's listening, um, you can go to the BianchiExperience.com. Um, BianchiExperience.com. There you can register, you can hop in, join the list. I will send you a video, um, introductory video that will give you a, a, a basically an introductory tool on the book. Um, become part of my community. You can see videos of, of and engagements of me speaking. Um, if you're interested in me as an actor, just Google David Bianchi and or David Bianchi.actor.actor and you can find me there if you're interested in that side of me. But as far as the book is concerned, go to bianchiexperience.com and there you'll find everything you need to know. And I'm Great. grateful for this opportunity to speak oh, with you. Thank you. I uh, appreciate it. So appreciate it. I had an incredible time. Like I told the the gal that I had on uh, just a, probably an hour ago that was one of my favorite episodes and I just backed doubled them up. So this is as well, one of my favorite episodes. So I appreciate your time and, and you uh, taking some time to be here. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate your time and thank you for doing everything that you do because yeah. this world is a better place because of the work that you do. Thank you. Appreciate that. Have a great day, David. Let's go. Ain't no five and no six. I'm deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say nature going home. I miss my life, miss my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. When I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years of marriage it's never been better than this and we got three kids that's who i do it for i'm gonna be a leader